Yes, Radio Mystery Theater presents... Welcome. Come in. I'm Tammy Grimes. Today... The Horatio Alger story of the young, ambitious American who works his way up from nowhere and becomes wealthy. The difference being he married into money, was an ordinary fellow with no particular talents except the one everyone accused him of. Murder. Take a look through the magnifying glass at the snapshot I took of those rocks. Don't you see anything peculiar? Where, all by the rocks? Oh... Oh. Isn't that a human hand sticking up out of them? Pasta, uh-huh. you look. What are you two doing? Trying to drive me out of my mind? Is this your way of saying I killed Judith and hid her body in the stone quarry? Oh, I want you two to get out of this house. Get out, both of you. I don't want to see either of you clowns ever again. <laughs> mystery drama, The Hand of Amnesia, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by G. Frederick Lewis and stars Ralph Bell. I shall return shortly with Act One. They seem to be a happy couple. She perhaps somewhat older than he. The stars were out. A sliver of moon shone across the old stone quarry that loomed over a small lake. He kept looking at her and smiling, but her face was serious. Slowly they made their way into the quarry down the irregular rock-strewn path. And then she stopped, and so did he. I don't want to walk any further down, Foster. There's not enough moonlight for me to make out how far down the water is. I've always wondered about that. Why most of the old quarries have a lake at the bottom. And it's good and deep, too. On a hot day, we used to go swimming here when we were kids. You were lucky. I was brought up in the city. We cooled off in front of an open hydrant. Well, I'll uh, toss a stone and see how long it takes before it splashes. Here goes. Oh, that's pretty far down. Well, honey... We start back up to the house. Let's just stand here for a minute. Maybe the moon will come out. Oh, Judy, it's a new moon. Well, wait till the cloud passes. You'll see. It won't come out any further tonight. You know that. Yes. Yes, I do. Well, I don't mind standing here with you, darling. That's all right with me. When you said you wanted us to take a little walk into the quarry, that was okay, too. I wish you wouldn't be so obliging, Foster. Obliging? <laughs> I love you. I thought coming down here was the the best place. Best for what? I wanted us to be able to talk where no one could hear us. You came out here to talk? No one can hear what we say down here in the quarry. You sound very dramatic. Here we've been married for a year and a month. You never said anything like this to me before. <laughs> You're not a double agent or a Russian spy or anything, are you, darling? Nice try, Foster. 
but it's no joke. What is it? Interesting how you should hit on it about my being a spy. The last two Saturdays, when you went to Denver alone, I followed you. I know about you and Alice. What? Alice? Who's that? <laughs> another try and another fumble. Did she ever get her wallet back? The one that was lifted out of her handbag? The detective agency told me they'd mail it right back to her. That's how I know her name and where she lives. Judy, it isn't anything. She, she's an old friend. We worked together at the mountain resort. I knew her years before I met you. I thought I loved you. And I thought you loved me. And that means no more old friends. You're right, sweetheart. I, I won't see her anymore. I can't believe that. I couldn't trust you. And when there's no trust, there's no marriage. It's over, Foster. I want you to pack up all your clothes and whatever else is yours and be out of the house by noon tomorrow. And as soon as you let me know where you're staying, I'll have my lawyers work out a settlement. I wouldn't want you to have to work in a kitchen anymore. Judy, it's all a big mistake. You're, you're blowing this all out of proportion. I love you, darling. Only you. Can't we... Can't I have another chance to prove to you I love you? No, darling. The agency tells me it wasn't just those two weekends. No more chances, darling. It's over. But you're not being fair. You're not listening to what I have to say. When my sister Annie warned me against marrying a man half my age, I wouldn't listen to her either. We loved each other. Doesn't that count for anything? I thought it did. You want my frank opinion about your sister? Well, she was darn sore you married me and that I would be sharing your money. That's what it was. It was the money that made her say it couldn't last. Whatever the reason, Annie was right, wasn't she? Now, let's you and I behave like civilized people and walk up the path and go back to the house. Annie, would you please stop hopping on that? Well, it's true, Bill, isn't it? Isn't it? He married my sister for her money. How would Foster have known Judith had any money? He doesn't even come from around here. Well, don't you suppose it was in all the papers when Charlie died and left her a whole grocery chain? And was big bucks. Oh. Anyway, a lot of water's passed under the bridge since then. How long has it been since Judith disappeared? Almost four months. It makes me so mad. I mean, the police haven't done anything, and Foster just goes on pretending she disappeared, and he has no idea where she went. Oh, Annie, cut it out, will you? A week after Judith dropped out of sight, we came down, just like we are today. We stayed at the house. Didn't you believe him? He sure acted like he loved her, mister. He acted like it, yeah. Well, he didn't sound like a man who was lying. Think of that. Remember he told us about the walk they took all around the property the last night he saw? Yes. I heard him say all that. And how he didn't feel well. And he went up to bed. And the next morning, Judith was gone. Oh. Uh, boy, this car. There she goes again. Stalling, stalling, all the time stalling. I'm going to take a look at the distributor. Then again, it, well, maybe it's a feline. I don't know. Bill, return this way. Watch the birdie. All right, have you ever take pictures now? No, Bill, say cheese. Oh, boy, you and that camera. Before I open the hood, you make sure the clutch is in. All right, step on the starter, will you? Oh, boy. Isn't that the limit? Every time it stalls and I get out... She starts right up again. Well, anyway, I got a nice picture of you, Bill. 
Oh, I love to watch it developing right in front of your eyes. I'll tell you what really upsets me, Bill. Sure, tell me. Here we are, poor as church mice. And the police pension you get is just a joke. And there's Judith. Married well. First husband dies. She inherits tons of money. Marries a second time to some short order cook or whatever he was. And now the money's all tied up. We can't get a cent of it. And I'm her sister. I'm her only living real relative. Annie, they can't probate the will until there's proof Judith is dead. Well, I don't need proof. I know. Yes, but the law needs a corpus delicti. Besides, Foster keeps saying she's not dead. She's got amnesia. One of these days, she'll come marching through the front door. Well, of course he says that. He's not feeling any hardship. <laughs> Every month, money from her trust fund goes right into their joint checking account. And he's got it all. Oh, come on, Annie. What's come over you? You didn't used to be so money-hungry. No, it's not that. It's, it's just I hate to see that undeserving gigolo get all of it. And we get none. I hope you're going to watch what you say. We've driven 500 miles to visit Foster, see how he's getting on, what's the latest about Judith. It'll spoil everything if he finds out you dislike him so much. All right, this is the street. I'll drop you over the house, take the car to a garage, see if they can find out what's wrong, why she keeps stalling. <laughs> Aren't you going to ask me in? I didn't expect you today. Where's Bill? He's gone round to a garage. There's something wrong with the car. <laughs> Old age, I expect. Oh, I wish we could afford a new one. What do you mean you weren't expecting us? I rode. I told you we were coming. You didn't say when. Sure. Sure. Come in. Just making some coffee for myself. If there was anyone I didn't want to see, it was Judy's sister and Sestra. Annie, as they call her. Oh, it was four months since Judy had disappeared. And the last thing I needed was someone poking around the house asking questions. I'd had enough flack from the chief of police. Foster, I'll have a cup of coffee, too. Well, I must say, you have kept up the house real well. I mean, everything is nice and clean. Well, the couple still works here, Mary and John. This just happens to be their weekend off. I thought, why let them go? Mm, I guess. I mean, if you can afford them. It's only a matter of time before someone locates Judy and brings her home. Bill and I were talking about that. Uh, you really believe it's a case of... Uh... Amnesia? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, I do. I've talked to doctors and they say it's entirely possible. Mm, I suppose. What other possibilities are there? Only the unthinkable ones. You mean... I won't even say it. I won't even let myself think it because I know she's alive. Amnesia. No one in the family ever had that. Annie, it's not something hereditary you're catching. Now, that night when she stayed up and I went to bed, something happened. She lost her bearings, wandered off without any identification. I mean, when you take a walk in the evening as we did on our own property, who takes IDs? Mm, I guess not. Or maybe somebody came by on the road and picked her up and... Well, if she didn't know who she was or where she lived, they couldn't help her get home, could they? Well, anyway, what brought you two down? It's a long trip. Five hundred miles. Foster, do you realize we hardly know you? I mean, I'm Judith's only living relative. 
we've got to get to know each other. We're a family. All we know is one day she sent us a telegram saying something like, uh, congratulate me. I've found someone better for me than Charlie, and I never thought I would. <laughs> we don't even know how you two met. It was at a mountain resort where I was working. Oh, yeah, I do remember. You were a cook or something. Annie, all those cracks about Judy marrying a mere cook. Don't think I don't get the message. Because she had money left her by her first husband, you think that's what I was after. Oh, Bill, and I never thought any such thing. What's a woman doing marrying a man half her age with not very much of anything to offer her? I love Judy, understand? And I still love her. I just want to get that straight, okay? Oh, that's Bill. He's had the car fixed. Did I tell you? We thought we'd spend the night. That was a mighty good meal. I'd like to say I did it alone, but Foster helped in the kitchen. <laughs> After all, he's the expert. Uh, Bill, can I see you for a few minutes on the porch? Did you two have a nice chat? I'll clean up the dishes. Hey. That is a beautiful view of the hills you've got from here. I love you. Bill. You two are the only people I've seen since Judy disappeared. I said you could spend the night because it's a long drive back to Cannon City. But I am sorry that I did. I'm sorry to hear that. Will you tell me why, after four months, you two suddenly show up? With Ancestra yammering at me, it's like rubbing salt into a wound. I'm desperate and unhappy enough as it is, thinking that, well, that somewhere Judy is wandering around not knowing who she is. I worry about how she's getting along, how she's supporting herself. Where is she? What about the police? Still not a clue. I'll go see O'Donnell tomorrow. Maybe if we put our heads together, we can help. You can help a lot by telling Annie to cool it. Ever since she got here this afternoon, cracks about my working in a kitchen, marrying Judy for her money, the only thing she hasn't come right out and said is that I killed Judy and have buried her body somewhere. Whether Judith is alive or dead is not a question answered by guesswork. That rare commodity, the truth, contains the only answer. And it is the search for this truth that places some people behind shields and others behind bars. We may be closer to discovery when I return shortly with Act Two. It has been said tragedies do not need the broad canvas of wars, injustice, cataclysms of nature to cause irreparable hurts from which few recover. Suspected of doing away with his wealthy wife twice his age, Foster Chase clings to the hope that his missing wife is a victim of amnesia and will one day return home. Not a view shared by his brother-in-law, Bill, ex-policeman, who drops in on an old buddy, Chief O'Donnell. Uh, Bill, you've forgotten more about police procedure than I'll ever know. What's your honest opinion of this case? Well, at first I thought they'd had a fight, and Judith had just gone away to think things over. You know, it's a big difference between their ages. 
Well, I'm not going to go into what my wife thought about that marriage, but I thought it was a miracle. They were married for a year and a month. And I thought they'd had a fight, too. And then in a couple of days, two weeks at the most, Judith would be home again. When did Foster start talking amnesia? Oh, two or three weeks after she didn't come back. And to give him credit, he did a lot more than talk about it. He contacted every single department in all the surrounding state. Departments that keep records of missing people. He checked hospitals within 200-mile radius. And he was always on the phone somewhere. Could Judith have been kidnapped? Oh, sure she could. But why no demand for a ransom? That's before months now, hmm? Uh, just about. What does that say to you? Uh, maybe Foster killed her. A probability? A possibility. I don't have a shred of evidence. We've been over that property pretty thoroughly. Even the quarry where Foster says they went walking the last evening. Mac, here's the way I see it. One, she's somewhere in that stone quarry. That means she's dead. Whether he pushed her or she fell, we don't know. Two, she walked out, decided she'd made a big mistake marrying him. She may have bank accounts in Switzerland, so she's gone somewhere on her own to cool off and think things over. Three, she really has amnesia. Look, is it possible to find out whether she's got bank accounts in other countries or even other states? Sure it is. She's got lawyers. I'll go see them. It isn't that I've given up on the case, but I thought the best move was to keep tabs on Foster, and that's what we've been doing. He doesn't know it, but we know every move that he makes. How much of an inch-by-inch search have you made of the quarry? Not much. You can't do it. There's no safe way of anyone getting around it or down inside it. The side slopes are steep. There's water at the bottom. It's like a moon crater. Ah, I wouldn't risk anyone's life exploring the place. How about a derrick and uh, ropes or uh, getting a mountain climber down in there? Who, who would pay for it? Not Foster. He is convinced his wife is alive and wandering around somewhere. Besides, every week there's another rock fall or slide. If Judith is buried somewhere in there, I don't think she'll ever be found. So tell me, how long are you staying in town? Oh, I don't know. Sort of depends on my wife. She's hanging around the house hoping that Foster will betray himself. Yeah, so she doesn't believe her sister's lost her memory. She sure doesn't. Whenever Foster isn't at the house, she snoops into every room and opens every drawer. Is that what she's doing now? No, no, no. I left her downtown to do some shopping. Foster, he didn't come into town with you? No, he said he wanted to stay at the house. Had some calls to make. Uh, what did I tell you? He's always on that phone. got visitors. I can't shake her. I would have been down. Huh? No. No, they're no problem. It's relatives. Well, you told me you were an orphan. No, hers. Oh. Well, what do they want? What do snoopers usually want? To find out something they don't know. It's, it's Judy's sister, Ancestra. Ancestra? Is that a name? It means digging up the past. It what? Anyway, I thought I'd call to let you know why I haven't been out to Denver. I miss you. Oh, I miss you, too. But we'll be making a connection again. Real soon. How much longer do I have to stay on hold? I, I can't put a date on it. And, I, and I've got to ring off real fast. The snoopers just walk in. I'll talk to you in a few days. 
Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt a private telephone conversation, Foster. I'm sorry. Oh, it uh, wasn't private. Did you have a good time in town? Well, I was mostly by myself shopping. Bill went to see Mark O'Donnell at the police station. Yes, yes, he told me that he would. They went to the police academy together, but not at the same time. Bill graduated the year Mac became a rookie. Foster, would you do me a favor? Well, I suppose so, if it's not impossible to do. Well, I've been looking at the calendar, and the heavens are in exactly the same position as they were the last time you saw Judith alive. Annie, my wife is still alive, very much alive. I, I want you to stop talking now. Sorry, I didn't mean that. Do you remember telling us there was a new moon the night you walked down the quarry with her? A new moon? Did I say that? Mm-hmm. And it's exactly like that tonight. And what I'm asking is, could you take Bill and me to the same place you walked with her? Inside the quarry, I mean? Tonight? Yes, it's got to be tonight. Will you? I'll, I'll think about it. What do you mean? Why not? I'll tell you why not. You nosy, interfering, foolish... Wait a minute. I'm Judith's sister. Now, you listen to me. Out there where Judy and I spent our last evening together, I can't go there. Particularly at night, in the dark, moon or no moon. But, of course, you wouldn't understand that. You're so darn convinced she's dead that I killed her, and you think that by this constant being at me, that, that I'm going to break down and confess to heaven knows what. Well, I've got news for you, Ancestra. I haven't anything to confess. Foster, please. What you say just isn't so. Now, I'll tell you what. I'm going to cook us a nice dinner, and we'll talk all about it quietly over the meal. Oh, no, no. No, I am not having any dinner with you, too. You can use the kitchen, do whatever you like. I am going out. And I'd appreciate it when I come home that your car is not in my driveway. Is that clear? Well, when are you coming home? Bill wants to talk to you. If he has something to say to me, he can telephone me from Cannon City. No, I think he's got an idea about something. How to find Judith. I don't really believe that. Haven't you any idea when you'll be back? I have no plans. I can't even talk to you, Annie. You don't understand anything. And a person like you never will. She was really getting under my skin. Oh, I was tempted to charter another single-engine plane and, and just fly to Denver and see Alice and unwind. But I decided against flying at night. Oh, it was way after midnight when I unlocked my front door. Annie and Bill had gone to bed. And for the first time since the accident, I dreamt about Judy. We're through, Foster. This is it. Just because I've been seeing Alice? I tell you, she doesn't mean anything to me. I can't believe that. You're not being fair, Judy. I tell you, I love you. I understand the meaning of all the words you're saying. But I don't believe you. I'm old enough, Foster. And well off enough not to have to put up with this. And I'm proud. Maybe too proud. But I refuse to share you with anyone else. I tell you it's over and that's it. 
Now, let's you and I behave like civilized people and walk up the quarry path and go back to the house. No, Judy, please, listen. Foster, let go of me. Foster, there's a slide, Sadden. Judy, please, don't say it's over. Please don't. Had I been screaming out loud? Oh, the house was quiet. I I tried to think back to the dream. Was that how it happened? Had I taken hold of her to convince her? Had she lost her balance and fallen? Had the rock fall swallowed her up? Because when I came to that night in the quarry, I was lying on my back with nothing but stones all around me. The path we'd come down was gone. I didn't see Judy anywhere. I didn't know how long I'd been lying there. Was it a minute? An hour? It was still dark. I called out to her. Judy? Judy! Judy! Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Good morning, Foster. Morning, Bill. Didn't Annie tell you last night I wanted you both out of the house? Yes, she did, but I thought you and I ought to have a talk first. I've nothing to talk about. I'm tired, I had a bad night, and I'm fresh out of patience with prying females. She is the only one who's interested in what happened to Judith, you know. As a matter of fact, I know of a girl called Alice who's also interested. Oh. I sent Annie into town to pick up some groceries so you and I can do some quiet talking. About what? About a waitress called Alice Toy, who you are maintaining in an apartment in Denver. She's an old friend. She's 22. I wouldn't call that very old. You've seen her? No, but I talked to her on the phone late last night. Sounded like a nice kid, but I told her that uh, she's getting herself into lots of hot water. Especially when they find Judith. What did you mean? You know, this can't go on forever. If Judy's dead, your little friend Alice will be asked a lot of questions. But I'm not even considering that Judith could be dead. I've held on to that hope for a long time, and I'm not giving it up now. Did she know about Alice? Yes. Yes, she did. Well, I'm glad you told me the truth about that. You see, about a week before this happened, Judith wrote Annie a letter... It said, don't be surprised that one day you open the door, you find me on your doorstep. I've reason to believe one of Foster's former girlfriends is still in his life. And I'm going to teach him a lesson. Throw a real scare into him. That doesn't mean I killed Judy, does it? You could help clear yourself if we all took a little walk around where you saw Judith last. You mean... in the quarry? Do it this afternoon. Nanny said something about doing it by moonlight. <laughs> That's nonsense. Look, look, Chief O'Donnell has been over there time and again. Not you? No. No, I can't bring myself to go anywhere near the quarry. I can't. Look, you must understand that. I don't know how Chief O'Donnell will take that attitude. What difference would it make to him whether I've been back to the quarry or not? He doesn't know about Alice. So? The motive. Alice, the motive? You think O'Donnell would believe I'd do away with Judy for that girl? It's been done. You wouldn't be the first. 
Bill, you couldn't be more mistaken. Can't you believe me? No, I can't. Look, look, there is no way I could find the exact spot where we were. There have been dozens of slides since then. I, I'm sure the path is gone. For your sake, Foster, you told me you came to and went home and Judith never showed up. For your own peace of mind, wouldn't you like to know if she is somewhere in that quarry even now? No. No, I don't want to know that. I want to go on believing she's alive and she'll come back to me. That's what I want for my peace of mind. What made it all so incredible was that I couldn't be sure what had happened. Did I push Judy that night so she stumbled and fell? Was she alive when I was hit on the head by chunks of rock from the slide? Had I already seen her drag down the quarry by the rock slide? Yes or no? Oh, my mind refused to remember it that way. Bill was right. I had to go back. Stand there. Visualize it. Be there to remember what had happened. I had to. There's an interesting parallel in one of the earliest documented crimes. The slaying of Abel by his brother Cain. Had Cain not remained in that field, would the Lord have found him? What is that compulsion to remain or return? My guess is that Foster has been reluctant to return to the quarry, not because of what he'd learn about his wife, but what he might find out about himself. I shall return shortly with Act Three. It is my privilege to occasionally delve into the psyche of the characters we meet together, to know things about them they may not even realize themselves. I think Foster, secretly and truly, believes he did cause his wife's death in the quarry. And all his talk about amnesia and her eventual return is just that, talk. It is the same afternoon, and Foster has led the way, bringing Bill and Annie to the top of the crater or rim of the quarry. Bill, what's he going to do with that rope? He's tying it to the base of that big tree the way mountain climbers use a safety rope. Oh, you mean that's for us? Mm-hmm. All of us. I'm sure he's going to be very careful we don't descend too far without being able to get out. I just can't believe the police haven't searched that place down there for Judith. I just can't bring myself to say it. Body. I told Foster about a letter to us about the girlfriend, and I think he's decided to prove to us how convinced he is Judith is not in that quarry. It's beautiful and spooky at the same time. Well, I'm so glad I brought an extra roll of film. I tied one end securely to that tree as our safety rope. Looking down there, it's like seeing a, a moon crater in the sunlight. So glad I brought my camera. Bill, I know you'd like me to take you as far into the crater as possible, but as you can see, the path that was there is gone. And there doesn't seem to be any other. I, I do know where we started from, by the tree I've tied the rope to. So we can't be far if we inch our way straight down. 
It may be the path opens up further down behind those boulders. I have to warn you, the rock slides start for no accountable reason. At any time, day or night. Annie, I don't think you ought to risk it. No, Bill, I'm going to go down with both of you. Well, that rope tied to the tree is knotted every ten feet. If anything should happen, we've something to hold on to. Oh, does it mean we should talk in whispers? Even a whisper can start a slide. As little noise as possible is best. The idea is I will lead you approximately to where Judith and I walked. Where we were overtaken by a slide. And, and we'll look carefully to see if anything of hers is visible. She wore a pink dress. Okay, Foster. Lead the way. We'll let ourselves down holding onto the rope. Annie, uh, you're in the middle. I'll bring up the rear. But you know what that means, though. If there's any trouble and we holler, you're going to have your hands full trying to haul us back up. Let's hope I don't have to. You know what they say about fools rushing in where angels fear to tread? Well, the three of us got ourselves down to almost the end of the rope. And Bill and I had a good look around. Annie had wrapped the rope around her middle and was snapping away with her camera. When it started clouding up. We got ourselves out of the quarry in record time and ran back to the house just before the sky fell. Oh, oh boy. That sure came down to hurry. I'd forgotten how quickly these mountain storms develop. I'd have died if my camera got wet. I just can't wait to lay out all the instant pictures I took. Are you guys satisfied? Foster, whatever we thought... I want to apologize to you for any suspicion or anything else I'm saying. Oh, that's real nice to hear. What did you expect to find? I'm, I'm terribly ashamed. You see, we thought... That... Oh, I'm going upstairs to make sure all the windows are closed. Annie isn't buying any of our permanents. Not that I blame him. Went to a lot of trouble to help us get down there and have a look around. And that, more than anything, makes me think he really had nothing to do with Judas' disappearance. But is that how you judge his guilt or innocence? Come on, Annie, as an old-time cop, I know when a man's willing to help you, he's clean. We had dinner, none of us saying much to the other. After the meal, Annie started clearing the table. She wanted to show us the pictures she had taken that afternoon. The storm had stopped, but they just didn't seem to want to leave. You boys go right on talking. Don't mind me. I'm just going to get these dishes into the kitchen. <laughs> the problem with Annie is she's never been able to stop giving orders. Foster, I was wondering, you think a reward might help? I've already guaranteed 50000 and I'll raise that to 100000 if what I learn leads me to her. Now, just let me have a little room here on the table. I'll put the pictures down and we can have a good look. I'm really very tired. You both can stay up as late as you wish, but I am going to... Oh, don't you want to see what beautiful pictures I took? Look. That's you, Bill. Hanging onto the rope for dear life. That's you and Foster. Oh, there you are again. See? Going down. Foster's saying... I think this is where we stood that night. Bill, I don't want to see these. We can talk in the morning. Annie, let's do the pictures later, okay? No, wait, wait. This one's pretty close to the water. What's that sort of white thing that's sticking out there? See? I didn't notice it when I was taking the pictures. Bill, let me have your pocket magnifying glass. Uh, 
She always dresses fast. She needs a microscope to see everything up real close. Here it is. Here's a magnifying glass. Bill, look in that corner of the picture through the glass. Did you see that white... Um... Doesn't that look like a human hand sticking up? No. Oh. Foster, you look, huh? That sure looks like a hand. What are you two doing? Are you trying to drive me out of my mind? No, no. I want you both out of this house just as fast as you can get out. Do you hear me? Get out, both of you. I don't want to see either of you clowns ever again. It was a hand. I knew it was, and they knew it was. That this could happen after all the times the police were searching. Well, the rocks must have moved and exposed her hand. But I had to know for sure. I waited until it was very late. But they just wouldn't go. Now that there was evidence, they'd wait until morning. So when they went to bed, I took a flashlight. And I went to the quarry to see for myself if Judy was still there. Are you ready, Annie? But don't you want me to make you a cup of coffee before we go? We'll have coffee with Chief O'Donnell when we take him that photograph. Foster isn't up yet. His door's closed. Boy, I guess this one just about as wrong as I ever guessed anything. What a terrible few days it's been. Hey, that's Mac's car pulling up. Oh, to save us a trip to the station house. I wonder what's up. Should I see if Foster's away? Hi, Mac. What's up? Well, I guess you don't know. What is it? You didn't hear anything last night. No. Why do you ask? Well, we got a call from the Kowalskis who lived down the road that there had been some shouting and moaning coming from the quarry. So we hightailed out there at 5 a.m. and we found Foster. What? He must have gone for a walk in the quarry and slipped. And that was it. We thought he was upstairs, asleep. Oh, that's awful. We were just uh, checking out to go home. Oh, look, Bill, can you put off leaving here for a couple of days? There's going to be an inquest and we'll need your evidence. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Matt, you're in charge. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll see if I can hustle the coroner along. Uh, I can appreciate what a shock it must be to the both of you. Or Foster. Very tragic, the whole thing. Well, I'll be talking to you tomorrow. Think O'Donnell will let us go home tomorrow? I don't know, Annie. I wish you'd stop fussing. Can't you sit down with a book or a newspaper? For three hours you've been roaming around my house. Sit still, will you? I've been trying to get up enough nerve to tell you something. There's nothing to say, all right? It's not your fault you happened to get a picture and then it was, was her hand. He must have known it all along. And all that pretense of amnesia. They had a fight, he pushed her, she fell, or whatever. Why did he go back to the quarry last night? Because he knew it was her hand, that's all. Bill, it wasn't. That's what I've been trying to tell you. I have looked at that snapshot 50 times. And it isn't a hand. What do you say? It isn't. It isn't. It's, it's part of some branches of a broken, white-looking tree. The rest of the tree is on the other side of the rocks. It's very clear. And another snapshot I took. 
It was not a hand. Oh, Lord in heaven. Someone's coming in the door. doing here? And Dill, what a lovely surprise. Judith. Sit down. Are Judith. you all right? Well, I guess so. I, I feel all right. Judith, where's it been? Well, that's the funniest thing, really. I, I honestly can't tell you. It all seems kind of a, a, a blur. I was thinking as I walked up the driveway, maybe I'll go to a resort, you know? Rest up, include my tennis game. It's a big responsibility, you know. A responsibility? Yes. Well, you know, Charlie dying and leaving me a widow with all that money. I think, I, I think I ought to take it easy. Would you like me to help you up to your room? No, of course not, Annie. I'm not an invalid. I walked all the way up here from the bus stop. Now, you two just go on doing what you were doing. I'm perfectly all right. Oh, my Lord. We'd better get someone over from the hospital to take care of her. I mean, just in case. She doesn't remember anything. She talks as if Charlie had just died. She doesn't know anything that happened after that. I don't know if it's awful or a blessing. My poor sister. She's been suffering from loss of memory for months. And it's what poor Foster was saying all along. <laughs> Curtain is rung down in a strange tragedy, as so many are when the mind and the body are not one. It is such an occurrence as we are dramatized today that reminds us how fragile we are. We take great care of our bodies, cleaning them, nourishing them, exercising them. Perhaps a little jogging of the mind wouldn't be amiss at all. I shall return shortly. <coughs> by the small piece of our bodies that rests upon our neck and shoulders. The mind. The brain. How it can influence itself and others. How it can create happiness. How it can suffer sadness. And how, when unwell, it can turn upon itself with terrifying results. Charles Churchill, 200 years ago, wrote, With curious art, the brain, too finely wrought, preys on herself and is destroyed by thought. Our cast included Ralph Bell, Carol Titel, Lloyd Bautista, and Marion Seldes. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now a preview of our next you dreamed all this junk. Fell asleep out there by the stream and dreamed it. I didn't. I did not. Like I tried to calm the Air Force. Like I claim I saw a UFO when I didn't. And now you dream up a bunch of lightning bugs? Boy, you don't know when to quit, do you? Robbie, something's wrong with you. With me? You're different all of a sudden. What happened to you? To us? Hey, don't lay it on me. You're the one that's different. Oh, get off my back. Get out of my life. Buffy was right. 
I was different. Something crazy was happening. Every relationship that started, I'd run out on. Run. Scared. But scared of what? I didn't know. But I'd find out. Yeah. I'd find out. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by White Westinghouse Appliance Company. This is Tammy Grimes, inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time. Pleasant dreams.